hidden under this paper. We are in Lesson 9. I'll do this. There you go, Brother Josh. Thank you. Lesson 9 of our series, One Another. It's been a blessing to me already. I hope it has been to you as well. Um, God has used it in my heart, and I'm thankful for our church family. I'm thankful. I, I'm thankful that God's plan is more than just to come and learn and to sit in the pew and, and, and hear something and then go home. I'm thankful that God's plan is uh, to give us a church family and to help us to serve one another, help us to encourage one another, because we do. We need one another. And, and we, we've been designed that way. Uh, God made us to need each other. We need one another to live the life that God has for us. And of course, God is enough all by himself, but part of God's plan is for us to have a church family that we gather together with and encourage each other uh, that way. And so I'm thankful for it, and I'm looking forward to today. So if you need a lesson, Brother Steve is back there ready to help you with that. And so if you would, slip your hand up if you need a lesson. Uh, hey, thank you. Good job, Brother Steve, getting him that. If you need a pen this morning, go ahead and raise your hand. Got one up here who needs one. All right, just one up here, and I think that's it. All right, and then if you have everything you need, go to 1 Peter chapter 3 this morning. 1 Peter chapter 3. Whenever you find your place, if you wouldn't mind to stand, and we'll read our passage this morning. 1 Peter chapter 3, and we'll start in verse number 8. There say amen. Amen. Three of us are there. Verse 8 says this. <clears throat> Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if, if ye be followers of that which is good? And if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is uh, in you with meekness and fear. And so we're going to focus on that, on that phrase, compassion, having compassion one for another. Let's pray, we'll get right into it. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, again, just for the sweet spirit that's here. Thank you for our church family. Thank you for the ability to serve one another. And Lord, help us, God, as we consider this great truth. Help us to be compassionate people. Help us to love one another. Help us to encourage one another. There's so much going against us in this Christian life, so, many, uh, so much opposition from the flesh and from the devil and from the world. Help us, God, to encourage and strengthen and edify and, and have compassion. We love you. Christ in my pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. <clears throat> so we live in a fast-paced world, and as we live in this fast-paced world, 
we hurry through and we hurry along through our daily activities, and often we take advantage, take for granted the blessings that God has given us, and we don't think about it. And, and our, our flesh is is good at focusing on the problems of life, isn't it? And very uh, it needs help. We need to be intentional to think about the blessings that God has given us. Uh, he calls us uh, to purposefully give Him thanks. For them, and so I think we have that in our in our notes here in the introduction. Psalm one hundred four through five says this: Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, for the Lord is good; his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. And so, if we're going to be people who are compassionate, you'll see the connection here in just a moment. <clears throat> but we need to first be people who are thankful and people who see, uh, notice the blessings of God in our life. And cultivating that habit of giving thanks helps us in a lot of ways. It helps us in many areas of our life. When our hearts are filled with gratitude, when our hearts are filled with gratitude, we are less inclined to be covetous. Isn't that it? If, if, we, are, if we are thankful for what we have, if we're content for what God has given us, then we'll be less inclined to be covetous of what we don't have. And it's a mindset that, that we need to be intentional to have. Uh, other than that, we also need to be thankful for the blessings of God. And, and if, when we're thankful for the blessings of God, we're less self-focused and we're more aware of the needs of those around us. If we're always focused on the problems of our life, if we're always focused on what we don't have that we wish we did have, you can see how that would hinder us being able to focus on the needs of others and on what other people need in their life and how we can help them. Yeah. When we are focusing on what we wish we had, we fail to see the needs of others. So often, we hear the tragedies, tragedies on the news or the plight of those in some kind of need, but, but because of our self-focus and because of what we, we wish we had or what we think we need that we don't have, because of that, we're often desensitized to the needs of others, and we fail to help, we fail to support, we fail to give our presence when it's needed. And so, so the first thing we need to do if we're going to be compassionate is learn to be thankful. It helps us to nurture a heart of compassion, and then we'll consider the needs of others. Compassion has been defined this way, your hurt in my heart. Your hurt in my heart. And it's easy for us, as we, as we hear the problems of others, to momentarily feel sad. You know, we hear like, oh, that's hard. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. And for a moment, we, we feel sad about it. Um, maybe, maybe we do see something that's happening, maybe in Israel or other places, and we're like, oh, that's hard. Or, or, or maybe it's a prayer request of, of one another, and, and someone unloads their heart to us, and they tell us the struggles that they're having, because, because people have struggles, and we live in a world that, that causes problems, and we have to deal with that. And so we hear, uh, oftentimes, the problem that our brother or sister are going through, and maybe we'll even say a quick prayer for them right there, but oftentimes we quickly move on, and we never really think about it anymore, we never really act on that, and then it's not soon after that that we totally forget that they're struggling at all. And, and the hurt has made its way to maybe the surface level of our mind, but really has not made its way to our heart, you see? And oftentimes it's because we're focused so much on, on our own issues, which, which we ought to. But really, we need to consider others over ourselves. And so, Jesus wasn't that way. He, when he saw the multitudes, 
he was moved, the Bible says, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. In Matthew 14, 14. And Jesus went forth and saw great multitudes and was moved with compassion toward them. And then he acted. He, he healed their sick. He felt their need. He felt their hurt. And then he, compa- he expressed compassion. And when you express true compassion, you, you do something to help. Whether that's a good word, whether that's prayer to our Lord, whether that, if there's a way we can help, we do that. And so that was our, our Savior. He, he had compassion and he helped. Do you remember, uh, we, we preached about this, and I actually just preached about it again in Arizona, about that lady in Nain. Remember the woman in Nain whose, whose uh, uh, son had died, and she was a widow, and he, he shows up to the city of Nain, and he watches the funeral procession, and the funeral procession is of this widow woman's son. And so she'd already lost her husband, and now uh, she had lost her son, and Jesus had compassion on her, and what did he tell her? Do you remember what he told her? He said, weep not. Can you imagine how that would have felt? Like in the middle of a funeral, you just lost your son, you're on your way to bury him, and someone says, hey, stop crying. And that would have been pretty frustrating, I think. Um, but, but he didn't just say, hey, you know, weep not. Don't, don't Stop crying. He didn't just say that. He also did something to help. Now, we're not going to be able to raise anybody from the dead, Okay. But what we can do is do more than just lip service, right? We can help. And we, when we see someone who's struggling, we have compassion. And if we can help, we ought to. And if nothing else, we ought to consider them throughout the, way, the day, offer prayer about, about that, and, and, and really get intact with the one who can help. And so we're going to talk today about compassion. In today's study, we'll look at, well, today we'll look at the first one only. But we'll look at three aspects throughout the course of this lesson of the compassion that God calls us to show one to another. So number one is this, the realm of compassion. Did it. The realm of compassion. What does that mean? Well, I mean, here's the point. Who, to, who, to whom should we show our compassion? To whom should our compassion extend? And we find at least a partial answer to that in, in, our, in verse 8 of our passage. Look at verse 8. Finally, uh, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, one of another. And so whenever you see that in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, you see one another, here's, here's what you have to remember. The letters that were written in the New Testament, I'm, t- I'm talking about after Gospels and Acts, Romans, all, all the way until, not Revelation, but until Revelation, they're letters, and most of them are written to a church. And what would happen was that, that Paul or Peter or John or James would write these letters and they fully intended for that letter to be read to the church. Actually, in Revelation, it was this way. Uh, well, we're going to talk about that on Wednesday when we start Revelation series. But um, uh, it says, remember in Revelation and verse 3 where it says, Blessed is he that readeth and he that heareth. It's not talking specifically, now, now it applies this, but he's not saying, blessed are you if you like open it up and read. Although that is true. That is true. But what what John is saying is, bless the one who gets in front of the church and reads this letter to these seven churches. That was the point. And then bless them that hear and heed. And so John, when he wrote Revelation, intended that that letter would be read from the pulpit. They had a reader, a specific person who would read the letter from the apostles and read that letter, even even that huge letter of Revelation, read it to the church, you see? And so these letters were primarily sermons, in a sense, from Paul, Peter, James, John, to the churches, okay? 
Why are you saying all that? So whenever it says in any of those letters, one another, serve one another, love one another, have compassion one to another, be kind one to another, the immediate context is the church family. That's the one another he's talking about. You guys, y- yins, y'all, all right? Y'all be kind to one another. Y'all be compassionate. You guys in here, it's very specific. And the people in this room is, is the immediate context here. We need to have compassion one for another. We need to feel the needs of one another. No, this is not just the place we come and learn. This is, we don't just come, hear the Bible, and go home. God never intended it to be that way. We're a church family. And we need to be intimately concerned with the, with the needs and the lives of, of one another. Compassionate. Noticing. Helping. Encouraging. Having compassion. And so, to show compassion to each other um, is, again, the, the immediate context is our church family. Now, of course, we need to have compassion on all men. But there's something special about our church family. There ought to be. <clears throat> the phrase... Compassion one of another in this verse means this, to feel with another, to suffer with another, to identify with another. And so what God wants for us as as a church family is to have a heart of compassion that leads us to action. We hear the, the personal struggles of one another. When we hear them, we don't just, it doesn't just go in one ear and out the other. We hear it, and when we hear it, we feel with them. We struggle with them. Their hurt is our hurt. And and we suffer with them. And we identify with them. And we try to understand where they're coming from. We're not the same as them. And we might not feel, if we were going through what they're going through, maybe we we wouldn't react the same way. We wouldn't feel the same way. But we ought to be able to know each other well enough that we understand what each other are going through. And whenever that happens, something's going to be done, right? Something's going to be said something's going to be done to help, um, if nothing else. Sometimes, sometimes the best we can do is just listen, right? And just tell them that we love them and, that, and, and this and that we're praying. And sometimes that's, that's the end of it. Now, that's not a little thing, is it, to pray? I, I always remember this. Brother Dean Herring, uh, he preached our very first church planning conference in uh, Sioux City, or Sioux Falls, that one we go to, the North Central Church Planning Conference. And he, he was talking about prayer and how, the, how important prayer is. And he said there was someone in his church who would always say, well, I guess all we can do is pray. You know, as if that's a small thing. But it's not a small thing, right? And often, we're not Jesus. We can't raise someone from the dead. We often can't heal uh, someone's hurts, even, even emotionally. We can, we can do our best and we can, we can uh, try to uh, uh, nurture and care and comfort but oftentimes, we're, we can't handle that. We ought not wear that, you know. But what we can do is, is listen to them enough to know truly what they're going through. Like, actually listen, not just responding and responding and telling them what we've... You know, sometimes we listen just long enough where we can say something. And they say, oh, man, I'm going through... Oh, I've, done, I've gone through something like that one time. And then we say, oh, it wasn't that bad, or something like that. And we just talk about how we've gone through it, and we overcame it. No, 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 no. Stop talking about yourself and listen to what they're going through. For long enough to know what they're going through. For long enough that you feel it with them, you see? And then you can take that heart, that heaviness that you have because of their struggle, and then you can bring it to God. And God can help them, right? Yeah, God can help them. And so, 
Jesus Christ was our example, obviously, as always. <clears throat> and He demonstrated this compassion toward us when He saw our need. He saw our need of what? Well, primarily of salvation, right? And Jesus saw our need, and He saw what, what, what we were facing, the eternity that, that we were heading toward. And by the way, it's, it's incredible to think about this, but the reason why we are headed as sinners to eternal hell forever is because we've offended God, right? And we've violated Him, and we've rejected Him. And that's why we deserve hell forever, right? He's done so much for us, and mankind has rejected Him and said, I don't want you. I want to live life my way. This is the sin nature, and that's why we deserve hell forever. But Jesus, even though He's the one offended, even though He's the one that all of that is, is uh, directed toward, He still sees humanity, and He has compassion. And He sees our need. And He sees what we deserve. And, and we do deserve it. We do deserve it. He didn't have to care, but He does. He loves us. And He saw our need. And He did something about it, didn't He? And He came. And God Himself became a man. And He died on a cross. And He was beaten and bruised and nailed to that tree. And He did all of that. Why? Well, primarily it started with compassion. He saw our need. And He, and he wanted to do something about it. That was our God. And, we, and if we're going to be Christians, Christ-like people, then we need to be people who have a heart of compassion toward others, who see the needs of others and help where we can. And the verse 8 gives two keys to developing this kind of compassion within the church family. And we'll talk about how we can actually help later. And I do want to say, just, just getting ahead of myself, but probably won't get to this today anyway, helping, doesn't, helping somebody, you see someone in need, you want to help. Helping doesn't always mean that you give them what they want. Okay? It doesn't always mean that. Helping them doesn't mean make them happy. Not always. All right, are you following? Sometimes helping means letting them face some things. Sometimes. That's how God deals with us often, right? God doesn't take away all of our struggles, all of our pain. He doesn't take away all of our consequences, right? Because sometimes we need that. And I'm not going to get too deep into that today, but I, I do want to say this. Uh, just because someone is struggling doesn't mean we have to take the struggle away. Sometimes they need the struggle. Sometimes. And, and again, we just don't have time to, to deal with that and unpack that this morning. But here's what we do need to do. We need to see their need, and we need to give them the help they need, always. We always need to give them the help they need. Um, yeah, I'll stop there. But that's what God did. He gives us the help we need. He always gives us the help we need. And so, but, but before we get into the practical part of that, we need to first step back, and we actually need to be people that are actually compassionate, right? Before we can truly serve and give people what they need, we need to, like, notice that they have need. Compassion, right? And you can have all the practical ways to help somebody you want, but if you don't even notice they need help, we're wasting our time. And so today we're going to look at how to develop a compassion for our church family. Number one is this, a unified mindset. A unified mindset. And so the verse begins this way. Verse 8, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. And so if we're going to have compassion one of another, we need to have first one mind. We're need, we need to be united in the mind of Christ. In fact, the phrase one mind means this, to be like-minded. 
harmonious, to be with accord and concord. It, it gives the idea of musical harmony. We actually talked about that a couple weeks ago, so I won't give, get into that again. Uh, so it's not uniformity. We don't always, that's what we said, right? We don't all sing the melody line. Unity doesn't mean we're all exactly the same. Unity is, is whenever we harmonize together. So it's not uniformity we're looking for. We're not cookie cutters. This isn't a factory. We're looking for unity, where we all work together for one single purpose, and we all have a different role to play in that, but what we're all trying to do is really the same thing in the end. Our world is so often divided, but the church should not be that way. The church, our church should be a place where we all unite around one purpose, reaching the, the, the lost, really for the glory of God, and then this, we need to be unified around doctrine. We need to all believe the same thing that the Bible says. That's part. That's one of the main reasons we have discipleship class down there, uh, so everyone can learn doctrine, but also so we can all be on the same page and that we can all agree on what the Bible says. We need that. We need to be of one mind doctrinally and one mind in purpose and then care for each other. And so we might have differences, but what brings us together in, in Christ is stronger than what divides us, right? And we ought not to, we need to be careful at least not to have cliques, right? Where you come to church and you're not really coming to see the whole church, you're coming to see really three or four people. And I'm glad that we have close friends even in the church, but really we, we need to be unified with everybody, right? And, and we ought to make it our purpose to try to get around and talk to everybody we can, not just the ones who are like us, not just the ones who are in our age group, not just the ones who are the same interests as us, not just the ones we can laugh with, but everyone. We ought to reach out to each one, right? We need to all be unified together. We all need to be cared one for another. And so, because what we're, what we're unified, what our fellowship, what our, our, our fellowship as a church family is built on is not just personality. It's not, it's not built on our age. It's not built on anything except for the foundation of the Word of God. And so, it's deeper than that. And we, we, can't, we can't allow our fellowship to be so shallow that that's all we are here to do is hang out. We're here to fellowship behind the doctrine of the Word of God. And so we need to be of one mind. Philippians 2, 2 and 3, it's in our notes right there. It says, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded. That's the same word again. Uh, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, letting nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. And so what, here's what we need to remember, is what we're doing here as Valley Avenue Baptist Church, what we're trying to do is, is be the body of Christ, is, is accomplish the purposes of Christ in this area, is helping people to, to know God, is helping people to grow closer to Christ's image. And all of that is, is too important for us to, to be bickering and have strife with each other. And, and whenever there's contention or conflict, we, we need to deal with those things because there's too much at stake. We're trying to accomplish purposes of God. And so we come, we come to church, and when we do, we need to come lowly in this way, that we're coming, lifting up the needs of others better than ourselves. And we cannot ever come to church uh, primarily to be ministered unto, but to minister. Isn't that what Jesus did? He came not to be ministered unto, not to be served. He's the only one who could have demanded that, but he didn't. Jesus came to this earth not to be ministered unto, but to minister. He came to be a blessing to others, and we need to come to church primarily to be a blessing to others. 
And we do need things. And we ought to, and, and church is a good place to find them. But, but we get in trouble whenever we come to church just for ourselves. We need to come to be a blessing to each other, to exhort one another, to love and good works, to encourage one another, to have compassion. <clears throat> Ten days after the attack on Pearl Harbor, the people of North Platte, Nebraska, home country, uh, they received word that soldiers from their town would be passing through North Platte on the train. This is during, obviously, the war after Pearl Harbor. And these soldiers were part of the Nebraska National Guard Company D. And so hundreds of mothers and wives showed up at the train depot with care packages, with food and letters for the soldiers. And so the train uh, eventually arrived, and it turned out uh, not to be the soldiers they were looking for, but instead the soldiers from the Kansas National Guard Company D. And so you can imagine the disappointment, right? And they're ready to see their husbands or dads or, or, or whatever, and it's not them. And so the women watched awkwardly as the soldiers kept coming, and they didn't recognize anybody. And finally, uh, one mother went up to a young soldier and handed him a care basket intended for her son, but her son obviously wasn't there, and thanked him for serving the country. Because even though it wasn't her son, he, he was still serving the country. And then the other ladies came out and followed her lead and began giving out gifts to the soldiers, these people they didn't really know. And you can, you can imagine, they could have just been there wallowing in self-pity. They lied to me. I was going to see my family. And they could have just been so upset that their needs weren't met, that they weren't even considering the needs of these soldiers. But that's not what they did. They decided to serve anyway. They decided to serve anyway. And soon, the town organized a canteen so that everyone could gather to prepare food and distribute care packages to the soldiers passing through on the train. Because this would have been, this would have been a, a, a regular thing as, they, as these Kansas boys came through Nebraska. <clears throat> so the operation was carried on for the next four and a half years. And so for four and a half years, the women of North Platte prepared sandwiches, cookies, hot coffee, amen, America. <laughs> and they would do that for our soldiers. And again, the ones they wouldn't know. And they served as many as 8,000 soldiers and sailors on, on some days, on, like in one day. The last train arrived on April 1st, 1946. And by then, the North Platte Canteen had served 6 million soldiers throughout that time. The soldiers only had 10 minutes during their stop, but were richly blessed. And, and, and as far as I know, they weren't expecting it. You know, they weren't going home. They weren't expecting something like this. And they get off the train. There was no social media to tell them what's going on, you know. And they get off, and unexpectedly, these ladies come as if they're their own mothers or, or wives or daughters and brought them these things. And so the fond memory of that, of that kind deed saw the soldiers through the heat of battle and lasted well into the, after the war was over. In fact, there's a book called Once Upon a Town, which kind of explains and, and describes all of that, and made this, this group of women famous. <clears throat> and in it, Bob Green interviewed... Oh, six million. There you go. Just so you didn't hear me. Okay. <laughs> so Bob Green <clears throat> interviewed a few surviving soldiers who had come through that North Platte in the 1940s, and their response to the kindness shown to them during the war was so overwhelming that all of the, everyone he everyone that he interviewed wept during the interview just because it was it meant so much to them, you know, and they're going through so much and they're they're battling and they're fighting, and to have that little bit of reprieve and an unexpected blessing there 
meant more than, than maybe even the ladies understood. And listen, somebody, suppose somebody came to your church, Valley Avenue Baptist Church, and then you asked him 10 years later what the impact of your church meant to them. And then they would say, somebody cared for me there and, and began to be. Wouldn't that be awesome? Isn't that what we're looking to do? We want to be a blessing to others, right? And something about that, even though those ladies, I, I, haven't, I, imagine, I imagine these ladies there ready to see their husband or, or whatever, and it wasn't them, and, and they're crushed. You can, t- you can just imagine. Um, but, and, and they're just sitting there, and that one lady goes and serves, and they all get behind, and they see what this means for the soldiers. I have a feeling the ladies felt better. Don't you? I think that in the end, they were more blessed because they served than if they were to just sit there and wallow in pity and want someone to help them. And, and it's true for all of us. Oftentimes when we're struggling, we do need help from each other, but it'll sure help you to help somebody else. It will. And, and we, get to, we get to make a people in difference. Uh, I'm sorry, we get to make a difference in people's lives. Jude 22, verse 22, I think it's here. Uh, yep, and of some, and, and of some have compassion, making a difference. Compassion makes a difference in people's lives. And, and the, the people that walk through the doors of Valley Avenue Baptist Church are fighting battles in this life. And they're, they're dealing with the sin of this world just like you and me are. And we all have disappointments and hurts and struggles. Uh, but what we need to do is get our minds off ourselves sometimes. And, and look toward the needs and the hurts and the, and the struggles of others. And I'm telling you, if you do that, the two things will happen. It'll make a difference in them, but it'll make a difference in you. It will. Yeah. And we need, to, we need to be unified that way, don't we? Our church family, we should, we should all have that, have that mindset. And I, I am thankful, again, as a pastor. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. As, as people come through, they, they tell me over and over again about how friendly and how welcoming uh, our church is. We have, we've had guests over the last couple months, and every one of them has said, man, I just felt so welcomed here, I'm thankful. And that's a blessing. And so let's not lose that first. So that's, we could always do better at that, can't we? And, and it takes intentionality. We have, to, we have to think about it. We have to be intentional and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to purpose to think about the needs of others and be a blessing, and have compassion. So there's, there's that. Uh, the next one, uh, letter B, <clears throat> a loving mindset. A loving mindset. When we have a unified mindset, we'll be loving to one another. Um, we can't really uh, move forward if we're divided, right? If we're fighting each other, there's not a whole lot of love there. So we, as we're unified, then we'll begin to love one another. Verse 8 instructs us this way. So finally, be of all, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. And then it says this: love as brethren, love as brethren. Be pitiful, be courteous. And so there are three aspects that that he gives here in this verse. One, love as brethren. <coughs> this is the love we ought to show to one another. It's a brotherly, fraternal kind of love. We ought to see each other as brothers and sisters, not just brothers and sisters in Christ, even though we are. But that should mean something more to us. We need to love each other as if we are literally brothers, as if we're family, and we are. But, but sometimes we, it's just a cliche and say, okay, your brother, sister, whoever, we, it can't just be a cliche thing, a thing we say. We need to really take that to heart and love 
as brethren. Love each other as if we're part of the same family. And when you're part of the same family, you know that family isn't always a blessing to you. <laughs> but you still love them, right? And you still help them. And, and no matter how hard things get, you have a love for your family. And we need to do that for each other. And we're all sinful people. And we're all going to do things that, that we regret along the way. We're going to say things we shouldn't say. And we're going to have attitudes and bad days. And that ought not to affect our love one for another. We need to love as brethren. If you love as, as a friend or as an acquaintance, if they, if they do something, then they're done, right? Because the friendship, the acquaintance, is built on something, and if that thing is gone, then so is the friendship, and so is the acquaintance. But if you love as brethren, you mess up, you're still brother, right? Are you following? And that bond isn't so quickly broken. And we love one another not because of, of what we do for one another, but we love one another because of who we are to one another, brothers and sisters in Christ, and we help and we love. Number two is be pitiful. Be pitiful. <clears throat> God also wants us to be pitiful. The word pitiful doesn't mean weak or lame. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, pitiful. That's not what he's talking about. Uh, but rather it means this, being tender-hearted, full of pity for someone else, inward affection. And so as believers, our hearts should be full, full, pitiful, full of pity, full of care for others. Uh, Ephesians 4.32, be, and be kind one to another. And again, this passage is written to a church family. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And so wrapped up in this is forgiving. And so again, even when someone does something that hurts you, you need to be tender-hearted toward them and try to help however you can. Yep. And again, help doesn't mean you just, okay, if, I'll just go for this one. If someone does something that hurts you and they do something wrong to you, loving them and being pitiful doesn't mean I'll just ignore it and not. No, you need to talk to them about it. If you love them, what they need to know is what they did was wrong and, and they need to repent because if, they're, if they've done this to you and they refuse to repent, they're not just wrong with you, they're wrong with God. Right? And so if you love them, you need to do what's best for them, and what's best for them is for you and them to be right. Does that make sense? And so doing what's best and being pitiful and being uh, loving doesn't just mean uh, making them comfortable and happy at all times. It means doing what's best for them. And, and even as they're hurting you, we need to have a mind that wants to forgive them, it says. Tender-hearted forgiving, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Last one is this. Be courteous. Be courteous. The word courteous means this, friendly or kind. Friendly or kind. It's friendly. We have to be friendly. I don't know if I'm supposed to. Oh, yeah. I'm not. Friendly or kind. So literally it means this, to be humble-minded. Humble-minded. That means that you're not always thinking about your own problems, but the problems of others. Courteous. Thoughtful. Or going out of your way to think about somebody else's life. Courtesy is putting others before yourself. It's giving preference to others. I do this in junior church all the time, but you know the word joy? Have I done this in here before? Joy, J-O-Y. 
If you want true joy, here's how it works. Jesus, then others, then you. That's joy. J-O-Y. Jesus, others, you. And oftentimes we have it flipped. That's like yods or something. No one wants that. Whatever that is. If you want joy, here's how it goes. It doesn't start with you. It starts with Jesus, then others, then you. And we need to we need to give preference to others. And when we see someone in need, do we consider how we can be a blessing to that person, or do we kind of like avoid them so they don't talk to us, and and then we're stuck talking to them about their problem, right? Hey, we're we're sinful humans, right? I think we've done that a couple times. We ought not though. We ought to be looking at how we can be a blessing, how we can be compassionate, how we can be courteous, being thoughtful one to another. And when we have that mindset of compassion, here's what we'll have a desire to do. Show love. Show love. Where it says, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. So we got through one verse this morning. We're going to go ahead and and close down uh, our Sunday school right now. Uh, for a reason, I'm, I'm going to give some instruction after that, but I, I want us to think that way. Think, put, this, put this in practice today. And there's going to be a lot of people who, co- who come to church today. There's going to be a lot of our church family that we know and love. There, there might be some church family who you're not so happy with. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't know the struggles. But, but we ought not to allow that to affect our love for each other. In fact, we ought to do our best to seek reconciliation, to seek peace, to, to follow after peace, the Bible says. Uh, but then we're going to see some people we don't know. And we might, we might be tempted to just not talk to them because we don't know them. But what am I going to say? We'll just go up there and say, hey, we're glad you're here. That's enough. Acknowledge their existence, right? And let's encourage one another. Let's, let's uh, consider. Here's what we need to do. We need to consider how what we do affects somebody else. Not just how it affects us, but consider how what we do affects somebody else. And God will, God will use that today. So let's pray, and, and then um, I want to give some, some quick instruction uh, before, we, before we close uh, Sunday School out. God, thank you so much for loving us. God, thank you for having compassion toward us. God, we're so undeserving. We don't, we don't deserve that you would even think of us, and much less that you would care and have compassion toward us. And we have nothing to offer you except for failure and, and rejection and and, and fickle uh, life, and, and Lord, we, you know who we are. You know how weak we are. I'm thankful that you love us. I'm thankful that you care for us. I'm thankful that you want, even as we'll talk about this morning, you want to be our friend, and you, and you have compassion for us. Help us to have that same mindset. Help us to not choose who deserves our love today or our compassion, but help us, God, to have a mind that says, I want to help anyone who I can and be looking to be a blessing to one another, even right here in church today. Uh, Lord, as we uh, even now talk through Friend Day, and and Lord, those who have been invited, I pray that you help us, God, even that much more to be a blessing, Lord, to our guests, and help them them feel welcomed, and help them see that they've come to the right place to to receive help from you today. We love you. Christ in my prayer. Amen. Amen. Okay, so don't be getting up yet.